What's up, everybody? This is Tanner from TanmanBaseballFan.com. Uh, I am out on a walk at night for the first time in like probably over a week or so. It's just been like really cold. So, still cold out. Got my hoodie on, sweats on, but <laughs> still, still rocking the sandals. But, uh, anyways, I uh, wanted to talk to you all about a kind of fun thing that happened like uh, a week or two ago. I I uh, did a podcast on uh, trading, and uh, yeah, I just, I love the process of it, guys, like, I enjoy it. I think we're going to talk about, let me, uh, you know, kind of title this, I guess, we'll title this Boomerang Cards, and so what a boomerang card is, is basically when you get rid of something of a card, and then it comes back to you. Well, uh I had kind of like what's considered a, what you consider a double boomerang card, I guess. And uh, so that's kind of fun. But then I'll talk about that uh, in a little bit here. But anyways, uh, as far as uh, trading goes, like one of the greatest things about trading is when you go uh, to try to get a card from somebody that is like ridiculously rare, okay? And let's say the owner of the card has zero desire whatsoever to uh, let go of that card, then, you know, you, you could throw up an offer, like a ridiculous cash offer, and a lot of times they're just going to say, take a hike, that there's no reason. Like, uh, you know, if you have like a, you know, $20 card that you really want, and let's say it, uh, you know, you missed out on it, and uh, but you really, really want it for some reason, and uh, so you offer the person forty. They're gonna say, "Well, no." <laughs> well, if you take a hundred, no. If you take two hundred, and so like at some point, <laughs> when you're offering a hundred or two hundred bucks for a card that sold for twenty bucks, uh, granted, uh, you know, considering if it it wasn't steel or anything. Uh, yeah, you probably got to pull in the reins and just uh, accept defeat and <laughs> and move on, you know. But uh, uh, it's uh, that's that's kind of where where trading can come in because uh, you know there's a lot of a lot of cards out there uh, in my own collection that if somebody wants, I don't really care what they would offer me in cash. I would just say no, unless it is like a stupid, stupid, stupid figure. Um, and so if there's like a $300 card that I have and somebody offers like, let's say, you know, three grand or whatever, I mean, probably would be, you know, kind of ridiculous to, uh, you know, pass something up like that. But, um, you know, those things don't happen. So barring any of those situations, uh, you don't necessarily have to pack up and uh, go home. You can uh, work deals for these cards are amazing in other people's collections by trying to structure a trade and you know trading of course back when I was younger and probably when you were younger too uh, trading was a lot more common and because cardboard it was like cardboard currency uh, <laughs> you know like uh, if you didn't have a card you just trade for it and and that's really kind of how it was. Like everybody traded and it was fun. And it wasn't just over cards that were like 
super duper rare or anything like that. It was just, you know, what we did. I don't have money, but I've got cards, so let's let's do a deal. And uh, it was always fun that way. So as an adult, you know, you, you uh, as you get more uh, disposable income and the cards start getting more valuable, um, you uh, start thinking trading isn't really the most efficient way to go. Uh, so that's why nine times out of 10, it's probably just easier to buy and sell. And I get that completely. I mean, I'm in that same boat too. But what we're talking about tonight is what happens if you have a card or you know of a card out there in somebody else's collection that you really want that you can't get anywhere else and they will not sell. Well, that, my friends, is where trading comes in. Now, before we get too far into talking about trading, let me uh, uh, take a minute to talk about boomerang cards uh, <clears throat> a little bit. And I'll tell you the first time that I can remember now, if I, uh, when I go to bed tonight, I might think of uh, several other uh, earlier instances. But for now, I remember having a, a set of uh, 97, uh, I think it was a Pinnacle Certified Mirror Craig Biggio cards. <clears throat> and I think there's like a, a red, blue, and gold. They're beautiful cards. Uh, and in fact, I actually haven't even gotten a... Uh, Canseco gold uh, back yet or red I think they're not like too terribly difficult of cards so and, you know here's one of my uh, famous rabbit trails I guess here uh, so for uh, the 97 uh, pinnacle totally certified or uh, I'm sorry cert certified mirror cards uh, everybody knew uh, pinnacle and select and all that to be have like a really uh, limited runs of cards like really sought after and that's thanks to the 96 select certified mirror uh gold set i mean that's just like crazy i think uh psa 10 jeter sold for like over 100 grand or something like that uh recently uh if i if i remember correctly uh anyway so uh you know it was uh it was uh, whispered around everybody that, you know, perhaps the golds had a print run of 30 as well. Well, um, you know, so there, that created a frenzy in and of itself, of course, uh, especially when they started popping up more often. And so the reason for this was, and well, before I even say that, uh, that there's somebody that posted a picture, right, guys, something's not right here because if there's a print run of 30, why do I have like 40 or so, <laughs> 40 or 45 of the same player? And I think it was of like Albert Bell or somebody. And uh, so as it, as it turns out, what Pinnacle did is they, uh, they did up to like five print runs. Uh, there's no serial number, so you know, there's no, no reason for them not to. But uh, I've heard that they did this uh, sort of thing. Uh, just basically because they knew possibly that they're on their way out and they want to make as much money as possible on it, which you know, it's understandable. I mean, if I were a card company, I want to make as much money as I, as I could too. Um, but in any event, uh, this uh, 97 Pinnacle uh, Certified Mirror Gold card 
the uh, gold, they weren't a print run of 30. They were uh, probably a print run more like uh, maybe up to 150 or something. It's, I don't know if I believe that though, because uh, they are a little more difficult to find than that serial number would suggest or that print run would suggest they're not serial numbered. Uh, but anyway, so, uh, you know, years ago I had uh, the run of Craig Biggio and maybe some other guys and uh, I ended up selling, selling the run to somebody and ended up getting it back. Not that I was a Biggio collector, but I don't know. I mean, there's just something about like uh, perhaps the picture that I took on online and I saw it again. I go, huh, man, those are pretty sweet. In any event, like what happened is they came back to me and uh, I don't know, me and the guy that I did a deal with, we both got a real big kick out of that. Like, <laughs> ha, imagine that, you know, the card cards came back and I think we might have, uh, uh, I think I might have given it back to him at some point down the road also, uh, or sold or trade or whatever. And so kind of funny, it's kind of funny how, uh, how that works. And, uh, one thing that's funny also is, uh, how your complete perspective and mindset changes on certain cards, depending upon, you know, where you are in life or with your collection. Uh, and, uh, you know, I remember, uh, uh, when I was, uh, just selling out of everything and I was actually still writing my book, like the, the final chapter. And I wrote about this in there saying like, I had an affinity for, uh, the rare 90s stuff. And I still do. I'm so madly in love with like 90s inserts and parallels are rare. Like the beautiful ones or some, they're like ugly that I don't really care <laughs> a whole lot about. Uh, but, um, during that time, like there are new cards I just didn't really care about. So I just get rid of them. And, uh, uh, but there's some that were older and that's when I woke up to the fact that like, you know, I wanted to still have some of these Conseco cards. So, uh, I started uh, reaching out to a few people that I sold to and asked if they would be interested in selling back or doing a trade. And so for the most part, it ended up me being uh, able to get them back for the same price uh, or me paying uh, or trading more in their favor. And, and so that's what I did quite a bit also just because... Uh, you know, I didn't want to take advantage of anybody uh, or make them feel bad in any way, shape, or form uh, about doing a trade back for me just because I wanted it or whatever. So, uh, you know, I tried to try to make sure I was as fair as possible and, you know, and all that. So, uh, but I, I remember getting some of these cards back that I thought, man, I didn't think I was going to be able to uh, get them uh, or see them ever again, really. You know, so it was, it was like a super fun thing to find them for the first time, get rid of them, and then do a deal to get them back, uh, which is just, just a really neat thing. So um, now as we're going back into talking about trading, uh, yeah, there, and I talked about this uh, in my book as well. There's a uh, guy that I talked about uh, that uh, he and his wife had decided that they were willing to sell their collection to me uh, because I was really interested in his collection. He had like 50 cards 
that I loved. I just wanted them. And, and grand, you know, nine tenths of them I wanted because I didn't have them and, and that was the only reason. Uh, but either way, it didn't matter. Back then that was my mindset. If I didn't have it, I would be just red hot for trying to try to get them. But anyways, they, uh, they quoted me a price that was like um, a lot higher than uh, fair market value would have been, which is understandable because guess what? They weren't actively trying to sell them. So, I mean, that's a smart move for the most part. You know, if you're, if you're not interested in selling and somebody uh, wants to buy from you or whatever, you know, you have no obligation to, you know, offer it quote unquote fair market value. You ask whatever the heck you want. And, you know, if the person isn't willing to pay that, then they take a hike. Um, but uh, anyway, so yeah, eventually in, 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 uh, in spite of the fact that we were never able to do a, a deal, we ended up making some trades down the road after I super collected, <laughs> which turned out really great. And, uh, you know, so that's, that's kind of part of the reason for the whole podcast tonight, to be honest with you. So I'll, I'll get to that in a sec. But um, I reached out to another super collector uh, probably two or three weeks ago. And, uh, you know, I was trying to do a deal with him. And uh, it was of a card that I used to have and, uh, you know, before. And so uh, he's, he's a good guy. He's been, uh, um, he's a Conseco super collector. He has, uh, we've done deals before, but uh, probably my success rate with him in, in trades is 50-50. Um, and, uh, you know, so that's one thing you got to keep in mind also is uh, be prepared to, uh <laughs> kind of take uh, an emotional beating, so to speak, <laughs> if that makes sense. I don't know. Um, uh, whenever it comes to doing deals, because if you have a lot emotionally invested in a card that you're trying to get and you're rejected, then, uh, you know, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, it's not like a, you know, hashtag, it's hashtag first world problem. I get it. And, you know, so it's not like a big deal at all in the grand scheme of things. But, you know, if you're dreaming about a card, uh, and you're told no, then that, you know, that's kind of a bummer. And so of course, as the saying goes, rejection breeds obsession. And so that happens with me a lot of times. So, uh, what seems to happen for me, uh, whenever it comes to trading is, uh, a lot of times I might have to try three, four, five, six different deals before something is, uh, uh, is struck. And so, unfortunately for this other super collector, it didn't work out, uh, which is fine. I was, uh, I was at the point of offering like a lot uh, monetary value in cards for one that was worth not as much. And uh, <laughs> I'll put it that way. Uh, the cards that I offered, I, they, they would have absolutely had a home in my super collection, but, uh, nowadays I just don't really care about them. So that's why I offered them up. But, uh, and so that's kind of how it goes though. Like, I think I offered probably like twice the value, um, at least on, on the card and probably a little more and it just didn't work. And I go, okay, well, that's why I've got to make sure I use my brain here and, you know, kind of step back and say, okay, that, that card is no longer mine anymore and it's okay. And we will wait for 
the card companies to print another <laughs> type of this card. <laughs> so and it'll happen and it'll be fine. And I will probably breathe a sigh of relief. Uh, you know, who knows within this next year, uh, if something comes up and uh, go, wow, I'm glad I didn't do that trade before because I was getting a little nuts uh, about it. So anyways, all that to say, it doesn't happen all the time. Like the, a trade will not always work out. And that's okay. So, uh, you know, whenever that happens, you do kind of, kind of feel a little defeated. Uh, but it was also kind of, uh, I'm thankful for it because it was exciting for the duration of the week or two or whatever it was going back and forth with him. Uh, it's fun. It's fun trying to figure out how to, how to crack the nut, so to speak. And, uh, you know, get the deal get the deal done and everything and uh you know it's it's fun anticipating the answer and it's just you know obviously not so fun when he says sorry no but <laughs> but that's all part of it you know and then you uh uh you know so anyways to go back to what I was saying before uh uh another fun thing kind of happened and I'm trying I'm trying to dig in my uh uh, into myself psychologically here uh, to kind of explain what I was trying to do as I'm going through this uh, story I'm about to tell you. So uh, earlier this year, <coughs> excuse me guys, uh, earlier this year, uh, I, and even before that, let's see, let me, let me try to see how uh, how this all went out to the uh, start off with. So oh, that's right, that's right. So, uh, so I sold out a bunch of cards. One, one of the cards in particular, 2017 Tops uh, Museum uh, out of five. And it's a black frame, and I gotta tell you about it. Uh, card is beautiful. It's a great picture, uh, excellent use of holographic foil. Um, it's uh, it's an amazing, amazing card. It just really is. Uh, and my favorite one in that run is the wood one of one. That card's gone though, It's it's never gonna come back and, and besides I've got the uh, the next year wood one of one as it is so I'm fine I'm satisfied uh, with that part but uh, the one thing that the out of five has over the wood is that the out of five pops more uh, in hand it just it's uh, it glows it's a it's a great great card and so uh, you know I, obviously it's it's cooler to have wood and all this sort of thing but in my uh, situation right now, I don't really have uh, another like black frame card or anything. So, you know, that card would have uh, would have suited me well. So, what I did was I reached out uh, to the seller of uh, or to the to the buyer of this museum card out five, and uh, you know it, we uh, it took a while. But I, I was able to do a deal uh, after a while, which was uh, real nice. But come to find out, the card was at PSA. And so, uh, you know, I don't really do a whole lot of graded cards as far as uh, modern stuff goes. But um, uh, yeah, I said, okay, whatever. I didn't really care a whole lot. I was probably planning on cracking it out anyways, regardless of what it came back as. Well, guess what? It came back a PSA 10. And so 
it's a little more difficult uh, to uh, crack out a PSA 10 car, <laughs> admittedly, uh, especially when it's such a beautiful car like this car's a work of art. And uh, so anyways, I was able to do a deal, uh, deal for it and I got it, uh, got it in and, and you know, it's kind of funny because my whole line of thinking was when I first got rid of it, it's because everything was going. And uh, then I started looking on my website, CansecoCollector.com, and you know, trying to look at the cards uh, that I had gotten rid of and said, okay, well, what do I really, really want now? Like, what's, what would I like to get back? What would I like to keep my eye open for? And that 2017 museum, Black Frame Out of Five, was one of them. And so I got it, and I was, like, really excited about it. And I remember it sitting on my desk for quite a while. <laughs> and I go, man, this is, a, this is a really neat card, but, like, I was struggling. Like, should, should I uh, crack this thing out? It doesn't fit in my case if it's uh, uh, graded by PSA, but I would consider it a, an upper echelon card in my collection. I want it to fit in there because that's a big deal to me to put in one of my, like, mini snaps. And uh, But, no, it's in this, like, bulky PSA case. So, ultimately, I didn't do anything uh, with it. And then I run into the guy that I was telling you about in my book who uh, he and his wife had offered their collection uh, to me for like uh, a lot higher than I was willing to pay. And I remember going through his cards because he had given me pictures and you know video of everything he had. And it was like, just for fun, just for kicks, I went through them. I go, I wonder how many cards I want out of everything that he has uh, now that I'm not a super collector. And... I was kind of laughing to myself because I think it ended up being like nine, ten of them. That was it. Like the other 40 plus were just like, they meant nothing to me because uh, it's just not what I was going after anymore. And it's so funny to think like how hard I was going after those cards. And just because my mindset changed, that was it. A little tweak there and, you know, whoosh, that's it. So uh, I did find one card, which I really, really wanted. And... It was a uh, 2005 SP, uh, I think it was 2005 SP, SP something or other. It's uh, kind of like a CPA kind of uh, card. It's got, a, it's got an autograph and it's got a patch. I used to have the one of one, uh, but sold it, but uh, the one of one had, a, had just a plain white swatch. This one, has a uh, a patch from the uh, face of the elephant, the sleeve patch. And guys, like for me personally, you put up a one of one plain swatch up against a killer patch like that out of five. I am always taking that out of five patch all the time. And so it's kind of fun to see that card and go, man, and just trying to think. How can I get this card? Uh, and so I knew that he wouldn't sell to me, uh, which, um, you know, we had done a few deals before. I think I actually did end up buying some cards from him, come to think of it. But this one wasn't going wasn't gonna to work out. 
as far as cash deal goes, as far as I recall. So I uh, said, huh, how can I get this card in my collection? This is amazing. And this is the fun part, guys. Like this is where I really enjoy collecting, putting together a deal, trying to figure out the process by which we go forward, uh, you know, stepping across the line myself, trying to see how, uh, how I can make something happen that's not just on a card that was for sale on eBay or whatever, you know. So uh, uh, I end up offering like three, four, five different things. And I believe some of them included like some one of ones for this, uh, uh, for this out of five from 2005 SP. And that right there goes to show you how much I care about these types of patches. So, uh, doesn't, uh, he says, no, nah, I don't think so. He'll, he'll tell me, yeah, let me think about it. And I check in a couple days later. No, oh, no. You know, he's like, I can't do that. I think so. I'm like, oh, okay, well, all right. I appreciate you, uh, you know, you looking into it for me, but I understand. And then, so right when I say, okay, thanks, have a wonderful day or whatever, <laughs> I immediately start thinking again. It's not, it's not something like that I'm doing intentionally. It's just like, ah, crap. You know, he said no. And it's like, well, surely he can say yes to something. What can he say yes to? And I start thinking again, like what other kind of deal can I put together? So like I said, y'all, this happened like three, four, five times. And he shoots me down each time because rejection breeds obsession. <laughs> uh, I go, huh, okay, I've got to go all in here. And so I'm looking at this 2017 Topps Museum, black frame, holographic foil, yada, yada, yada. Um, and uh, I go, huh, start looking at the hand. I go, it doesn't pop as much as I remember it did. And it's in this PSA case. Eh. And I just remember not being excited about it uh, with it just sitting there on my desk. And that's a lot of uh, value in cardboard tied up into something that I'm not like super hyped about. And so I go, ha, okay, well, maybe I'll offer this. <laughs> so I said, all right, man, here you go. What do you think about this? I will offer you this card and I had two other patch cards were, which uh, were nice, but they weren't like super expensive or anything. Uh, so will you do a deal? And it uh, takes a while, like I if I remember correctly, I think it takes maybe another week or two or something. And he says, yes. And it took a few times like restructuring everything. So it might've been like, who knows? I might've made seven or eight different offers. I don't know. But anyways, I was like super pumped because that 2017 Topps Museum uh, uh, black frame out of five did not speak to me uh, on my desk nearly as much as that elephant patch uh, card did. It just didn't. And uh, you know, I, I don't really know why. I, I feel like back then I was in more of a mindset of, uh, well, shoot, it's like a newer card like Tops can produce these anytime they want. And, and that's true, that part is true. Like Tops literally could come out with next year, like the most beautiful museum frame card ever and blow this one out of, the, out of the water and it'd be available. And guess what, they could do it again the next year. 
and year after that, and year after that, and year after that. So I think that's probably where I was stuck uh, personally because I was thinking, man, I predicted some special things there, especially with the patches. Uh, and with what a lot of the card companies are doing nowadays, it seems like they're kind of like just on an assembly line and just cranking out as much stuff as they can. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know what it was, but eventually I did that deal. And so that card that I, that I worked so hard uh, to, uh, to get back, and uh, I paid very well, by the way, to get the card back in my collection uh, to begin with. So, uh, and it was gone. You know, it's just, uh, and, and so I had the elephant uh, face patch come in and I was super excited about it and so happy uh, because it fit my collection so much better and I didn't have to give up one of ones, which was nice. And uh, so, anyways, uh, uh, flash forward to uh, uh, this past month here, after the other super collector turned me down on a deal, uh, I started thinking, I was like, man, that 2017 Topps Museum out of five, that was a nice card. And uh, th that's what I'm trying to document here, I guess, guys, is like the card didn't change. There were no changes in that card whatsoever. Uh, my views on the card changed several times. I went from, I got to get rid of everything to, man, that card looks slick. I'd love to get it back to, huh, doesn't, doesn't feel as slick as I remember. And then again to like, man, this would fit my collection perfectly, especially since I already have a wood one of one museum from another year. This would just fit perfectly. So, uh, I reached out to the guy that I talked about in my book that that uh, we've done deals with before. I was like, hey, man, are you ready to hear uh, another trade offer for uh, to get uh, that museum card back into my collection? He goes, uh, yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> so I offer up a couple one-of-ones that don't really matter a whole lot to me. And uh, he goes, yeah, let me think about it. He comes back to me. He's like, yeah, I can't do it. Sorry. I'm like, ah, Okay. Thanks anyways. And then I go, well, come on, Tanner. If you're willing to do that, let's see what else you can do. So I've got a couple other cards in there that I throw in. And uh, it takes a little while. He comes back to me. He's like, no, I don't think so. And I was like, okay, well, what about this? And so I uh, eventually uh, throw in a, a card that's out of 10 that uh, I guess caught his eye, which it should have because it was a very nice card. Uh, and he goes, huh, interesting. He starts asking questions about it. And he's like, okay, let me think about this. So he ends up uh, coming back uh, to me earlier today, actually this morning. He's like, hey, Tanner, I've been thinking about it. Uh, you remember that other, that wood one of one that you had uh, from Triple Threads that you offered me up for uh, the Elfin Patch card? I'm like, yeah. He goes, do you have it? And if so, would you be willing to... Uh, swap out the other one of one that you offered for this card for that. I said, oh man, I'm sorry, I don't have that one anymore. Uh, that went in another deal to somebody else. However, because he's asking, well, I'm not really a big fan of this one of one that you offered, so uh, do you have anything else? I said, well, I actually do, I'm kind of hesitant. But I offered him this uh, card that's out of 50. 
you know, it's like an early upper deck product, uh, a duel of Conseco and Bonds, and they've got just uh, regular swatches on it, but the car is ridiculously difficult. And uh, this goes to show you guys like how, how different, how things have changed in my head. Like a year, year and a half ago, I probably would not have traded that card one up. Uh, hey, there's a possum crossing the street here. Interesting. Uh, anyways, uh, I wouldn't have uh, have uh, traded that card straight up 1v1 a year, year and a half ago. But here I am with that card that doesn't mean anything to me. I don't care about this Kinseiko Bonds dual jersey with uh, with uh, uh, white swatches. I know why everybody else does. It's a super rare card. Uh, in fact, like I can tell you right now, like uh, I would feel probably borderline insulted if somebody came to me with a trade uh, uh, in reverse from a year, year and a half ago, saying, "Hey, I'll give you this museum card for you know these four other cards." I said, "Man, are you nuts? These four cards are like really great." But to me right now, they're just not, you know, the museum is. So, uh, so, so this trade does a couple things. Number one, it makes it a double boomerang card because, uh, you know, I buy it on eBay. Uh, it's the first one that ever popped. Uh, I sell it. The next owner uh, grades it a PSA 10. I buy it back from him or trade. I don't remember what it was. I think I bought it back from him. Uh, I end up trading it away. And so it goes like several states away again from me. And uh, I end up doing another deal for it to come back to me. So it's been uh, been across state lines a couple times now uh, out of my collection seemingly for good, but it kept coming back. So that's pretty cool. And it almost, uh, I can almost document like what my ways of thinking were as far as in taste, as far as collecting goes with each move, you know, which is kind of fun. It's fun to be self-aware of like what makes you tick and uh, why you collect what you collect and what makes more sense now. And, uh, you know, like earlier this year, that same dang card, I literally got rid of because it didn't seem to make sense for my collection, but now it does. And like I said before, nothing changed on the card. It's still a PSA 10, uh, museum out of five. Uh, it might not be a PSA 10. After a while here, I might crack it out. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, but uh, I'm just super excited uh, to get it back. And uh, you know, I think, I'm sure the uh, the guy that has it right now that's going to be sending it to me is super excited about the cards that he has coming to him. Uh, like I said, if <laughs> fired in his shoes a year, year and a half ago, I'd be you know jumping out of my skin excited about it but right now it's just those cards didn't mean nearly as much to me so uh the next thing is is it's kind of fun for me is it adds to one of the most important things about cards in my collection uh because i knew a guy another guy that had a museum out of five i actually reached out to him too um but uh, uh i wanted to come back to the one that i already had the same card but uh uh, yeah, I mean, I was really, really interested in getting my old one back because it has so much more of a rich storyline now. And that's a big deal to me. Like, I love, uh, 
having cards that like seemingly <laughs> almost had to have like a passport or something, <laughs> you know, because they, they've gone various places and, you know, it's like the uh, bat barrel I just got, uh, you know, two, three months ago or whatever it was, uh, you know, where, you know, it was mine and my uh, buddy Anthony pointed out to me when it was opening a break live on YouTube and I picked it up. I sell it to the dealer, the dealer goes to the show, puts it out, and uh, it gets picked up by a guy that I know that's a super collector and you know came back to me. Like, that's fun. It's no longer just a barrel card, it's a barrel card with a story. Just like this museum card. Like, it's not just a museum card. If I picked up the other museum card from, uh, from my friend that has it, that's uh, another Consego super collector, uh, you know, I just, uh, it wouldn't have that story. It would have been the same card, but it's like, eh, it's a pretty card, but that's it. But now, now is a pretty card with an amazing story. And that, my friends, is what I love so much about collecting is not just the cards themselves, but the stories behind them. And the more story, the more history that we can build behind these cards, the more meaning they have. And uh, also, I guess, you know, so so the takeaway, I guess, a couple of things. Number one, uh, you know, be mindful of what the story is behind your cards. And number two, uh, don't be afraid of getting rid of cards. Whether you can get them back again or not, it's another thing. I can't guarantee you uh, getting rid of a one of one that you'll be able to get it back again by any stretch of imagination, of course. Of course I can't guarantee that, but, uh, you know, just, you know, <laughs> collecting can be so much more fun when, when it's not like such just like a stagnant thing and you keep your cards and don't do anything with them. You know what I mean? So it's, uh, it's fun. It's been, it's added a whole new dimension to my collection to be able to do that and add to these stories, but, uh, see some, uh, cards out of my collection regretfully leave uh, where I regret it after I do a deal but get super excited to bring them back so uh, yeah a lot of opportunities to find enjoyment in this hobby so so yeah that's that's my podcast for tonight on boomerang cards um, thank you all as always for uh, listening and uh, you know I hope you all have a great night and please like subscribe and share